inside oaking of glory, God. I come against anything that may try to rob that word in the name of Jesus, God. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to fall in this place, God. To continue to fall in this place, oaking of glory, God. So Jehovah God, when we leave these doors, oh God, that we don't leave the same Father, but there is a transformation, oh God. I pray that this is not just going to be an informational sermon, oh God, but it's going to be a transformational service, oaking of glory, God. That it plants seeds, oh God, that we can see fruits tomorrow, the day after, even today, in the name of Jesus, God. We praise you and we honor you. I pray, Lord, that you may move me completely out of the way, God, and speak to your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So today, we're going to learn a little bit about the Terminator. All right. So let's go. Act 25, 1 to 22 says, Now when Festus had come to the province after three days, he went up to Sicily. Uh, to, uh, from, he went from Sicily to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him that he would be summoned into Jerusalem, while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. But Festus answered to, to Paul, uh, that Paul should be kept in Sicily, and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there is any fault in him. And when he had remained among them more than 10 days, he went down to Sicily. And the next day, sitting at the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove, while he answered for himself. Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against uh, Caesar, have, have I informed have I offended in, in, uh, in anything or at all? Then Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem, and there you be judged before, before me concerning this thing? So Paul said, I, want to, I, want to, I, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jew I have done no wrong, as you, well, as you very well know. For I am, I am an offender. For if, I am the, for if I am an offender, or having committed anything deserving the death, I do not object to dying. But if there is, there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, who, had, who he had uh, conferred with the council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you shall go. And after some... And after some Days King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea Caesar and to greet Festus. When they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a certain man left, by, by, left as a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priest and the elders the Jew informed me. And when I was in Jerusalem asking for judgment against them, to, to them I, ans- I answered, It is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accuser face to face and has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charges against him. Therefore, when he had come together without any delay, the next day I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the men to be brought in. When when the accuser stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I proposed, but he had some questions against against him about their own religion, about a a certain Jesus who had died and whom Paul affirmed that he, had, that he was alive. 
And because I was uncertain of such question, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and to be judged concerning the matter. But when Paul appealed to, the, to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I sent him to, uh, uh, to Caesar. Then Agrippa and said to Festus, I also would like to hear him tomorrow. And he said, you shall hear him. <sighs> all right. <laughs> you guys got all that? Okay, five of you, perfect. All right. So if you guys been here through, the, um, through Acts, you have Pastor Jay preached last week, and we've been preaching different ways. And at this point, what we are seeing is Paul is still a prisoner. But now... But now, Paul is still a prisoner. I, was, I literally didn't know what that was, so it <laughs> took me for, for a minute. Um, so Paul is still a prisoner. And then a new governor comes in who's Festus, and the Jews appeal to Festus against Paul and says, hey, Paul is a criminal, and can you please send him to Jerusalem because we need to, we need to judge him. But their plot is really not to judge Paul. We all know that. We've seen that. They tried to kill him before, and now they still want to find a way to kill him again, right? So, lucky enough, or blessed enough, Festus refuses to send Paul to Jerusalem, and he, say, he tells the accusers, if you really, really think that Paul did something wrong, then why don't you go with me when I go back, and then you can bring those accusations against him. So, they leave what they're doing, and they come, and they are, they're accusing Paul. And then... Paul appeals, uh, Paul makes a defense and he's not afraid to die. He says, you know what, if I had done something wrong, I'm not afraid to die. So it's okay, I can die, but I'm not going to stand for something that I've been accused of. And so he appeals to Caesar, who is like the higher court. So, and then the following day, King Agippa and his sister Bernice come and request to hear him, which I thought was interesting. So this evening, I want to speak to you about sin and the nature of sin. Acts 23 says we saw that the Jews were plotting to kill Paul, but their plans were frustrated by a small boy. Do you guys remember that? We preach about where they were still planning the same thing. They had tried to go in and, and have him brought to court at night so they can kill him. And so the same scene is repeating here two years later. So somebody really hasn't let anything go, right? They're still holding a grudge. So they're still finding a way, and the issue is they're trying to find, they're using the same line. They're saying, hey, bring him so we can judge him. And when in the process of judging him, guess what? Before he gets there, he can get killed. And so we, we see in Acts 25, one says, Now when Festus had come to the province, after three days he went to, to Sicily, to, uh, from, from Sicily to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking for favor against him, that he would be summoned him to Jerusalem, while they lay in ambush along the road. What this tells me is the enemy does not create anything new, but he uses the same, same trick, yet we fall over and over for the enemy. What I think the enemy does is he just gets better, and we fall prey to that. He uses the same lies. He uses the same things every single day. He doesn't come up with anything new. He studied you. He's looked at you. He knows what is gonna what is gonna work, and so he's just gonna twist it different. And that's what you see. Even when he goes to these, you know, to the Jews, you'd think after two years they would have come up with a new plan, but they don't come up with a new plan. They come up with the same same plan. Just a different way. No, bring him from here so then we can judge him. Versus last time, he's like, hey, just bring him down to the courthouse. 
I know that in my life the struggles are the same. They're just dressed in a different way. And maybe somebody can identify with that. Right? Every single time, you know, you think that you've overcome something. You think every single time you've overcome something, but the next minute, the same thing comes over and you're like, I thought I got rid of this already. Amen? Somebody? Right? But today I'm reminding you that we ought to be aware of how the enemy works in order for us to guard ourselves. Right? We ought to be aware because if we are falling prey to the same issues every single day, then we need to realize the scheme of the enemy so then that way we can guard ourselves. Right? I would want to guard myself against the next attack that I already fought two or three years ago, right? All right, one of you guys. Perfect. All right. So who has seen, here, let me talk about the interesting things here then. Who, ha, who has seen the movie The Terminator? Okay, have the room. Perfect. So the movie Terminator is a sequel, and actually the, the last one that uh, came out was The Dark Future, where there is an artificial intelligence that takes over. So basically these robots, right? They come and they take over, and they destroy all humanity, or most of the humanity. But then, in the middle of that, there is an uprising of people. You know, um, uh, John Connor, who's the biggest, you know, conqueror. Um, and John Connor comes in, and he's able to destroy the brain of the operation. You guys are just looking at me like, what did he just talk about? All right. <laughs> Go and watch it, okay? <laughs> That's your homework, right? So, there's a machine that, that, um, that in the future they are destroying everything, but then in the process of it, there's this dude who's going to be like a big, big dude, good dude who's going to have a lot of stuff. He's going to go in and he's going to get an army and they're going to destroy the brain. So, what the enemy, what the, what the robot do is they go back all the way before John Connor was born. And they try to destroy the mom, they kill the mom, so then John Connor would never be born. Are we together? Yeah. <sighs> I do preaching way better than I explain movies, okay? <laughs> so from here we can see that these machines, when they come in, first of all, they look like human. Right, somebody? They look like human. They talk like humans. Sometimes they, uh, they change, they change uh, how they look. They'll, they'll be like markers. I'm going to be markers today. And so they change to be markers, right? The next minute they, they take a shape of anything, right? So they are disguised as human, right? And then they look normal. From the outside, they look really, really good. But inside, it's just a soulless metal, right? And so when you think about a sin, that's exactly what sin does. When you think about the enemy, the enemy doesn't just look at you today and says, I'm going to destroy you today because of the things that you want to do. The enemy goes back all the way and figures that you're going to be used by God at a certain time in your life. And so he's going to try to destroy either your childhood, your marriage, or your relationship, or even use us to be able to speak negative things to our kids, to the people that we love, because if we can destroy them at this point, then six months later they can never be used by God. And so when you see the Terminator, it's the same thing that they go back. This is 2029 happening in the movie, but they go back in 1984, and they're trying to destroy that thing that's going to be. And I wanted you to think about today, what is the enemy trying to destroy that God is going to use 10 or 5 years from now? See, the enemy, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life, and you may have it more abundantly. 
See, the Terminator, what I love about the movies of Terminator, and that's why they're interesting, not because they kill people, but they never give up. The Terminator never gives up. Yeah. Yet, for us, when it comes to sin, we think because I have overcome something, it's not going to take a different form. It's going to continue to be the same thing. But what happened is sin comes in, and today it's clothing. The same sin is clothed this way, but then next week it's clothed differently. And then when you forget and you think, now I have already identified that, and you keep your guard down, then tomorrow, two years from now, four years from now, six years from now, the same thing comes back, just dressed in a different way. So we have to be, we have to be aware that sin does not give up. And again, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so sometimes it will be like the devil will come in and try to steal your joy. He will try to steal the things you're doing. But he's not done even when he does that. He still wants to kill and destroy. And we have to be aware of that. That was introduction. My first point is, sin is relentless. If you look at the word relentless, it's oppressively, constantly oppressive, incessant, of something regarded as unpleasant. So it's something unpleasant that is constant and it's not going to stop. And that's sin. We see it very, very clear here that no matter what Paul does, how long he stays, with the, how long he stays away from the Jews, they still want to destroy him. They want to kill him. And that's a clear picture that you'd think somebody who's already been put in jail, or, you know, he is still in jail, right, even though he has the freedom of the Paris, you'd think that the Jews would be dealing with something different. But they don't. They continue to go after him. The only thing is there's a difference of the distance, but it's the same thing. And so tonight I want you to be aware that that thing that you thought is already gone, that weakness that you might have, that thing that has been used before, you cannot keep your eyes off it. Because if you do, guess what? The enemy is plotting the same, but just trying to dress it in a different way. Acts 25, 4, 5, 4, 5 says, then, But Festus answered that Paul should be kept as uh, Sicilia, Sicilia, and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore he said, Let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man, and if see any fault in him. So he's saying, let, there, let anybody who has the authority to come among you to come down. And, and in one of the commentary by Gilles, he says, let them, let them, therefore, he said, which among you are able, who have the leisure, can spare the time, and whom it's convenient for them without interrupting other businesses, to take such a journey, which, by the way, the journey was about 24 hours by foot, to go and accuse him, right? Um, uh, so 20, uh, to, to take such a journey... And who is able to bear the, expre- uh, the expense of which without hurting their families or th- whose health or age will admit it. And above all, who are masters of the affair and are capable of forming, char- uh, forming charges and supporting them with proper proof and evidence. So let me stop there for a minute. So he's saying that in order for them, if you really, really, he was telling the Jews, if you really, really want to accuse this person, I want you to count your costs first. First of all, you have to sp- have enough time to do it. Second of all, you are not interrupting your other businesses. Third, you must be able to, drive, to, to ride a horse or walk for you know, 100, 110 kilometers. Then you have to bear the expenses of what that's going to cost. And then on top of that, you have to make sure that your affairs at home are good and also that you have enough evidence to be able to go and accuse these people. And guess what? They still went to accuse him and they did not have any proof. 
Think about that. Think about the cost of that. Yet when we see sin in our life, when we see things in our life, we are so quick to dismiss it, we don't realize that the devil is going to work as hard as possible. He's going to take whatever it takes for, for him to bring you down. Yeah. Yeah. I, want, I want you to think about that, like the cost, all the things they had to stop to do in order for them to go there and accuse him, knowing very well that there's nothing wrong he's done and what they want to do is kill him. Yet there is nothing new under the sun. And guess what? That's in our life right now. That the enemy really doesn't sit there and says, okay, I'm just going to try a little bit for two hours and that's it. I'm going to have you just watch TV and that's it. No, he's plotting every single minute. He's going to take his time. He's going to study you. He's going to know what that looks like. And then when sin comes on you, it's not going to be easy. It's going to come down like a hammer. And we need to be aware of the nature of sin. Sin is the same. It will try to steal anything that you can. It will find a way to stop you. You think about it sometimes. You have something great that you're going to do for God or you're going to meet somebody. And that day you've scheduled something and everything is going well. you've, you've, You've scheduled to go ahead and the following day to do it. And for some reason you miss your alarm in the morning. Traffic is crazy. Things are going on. And the Bible says, like, let us not use our eyes, but use those spiritual eyes. I'm not saying that every same time the alarm doesn't go off and you didn't turn it on, that's your issue. Like, it's the devil who's doing it. Man, check an alarm and put two or three alarms, right? I'm not saying that if traffic, you know, you're caught in traffic, that that's not, you know, that's, that's the devil who's planning it. But I want us to be aware of the fact that the devil is trying to kill, destroy, and steal everything that you have. And if you ask God, if you go, and that's why the Bible says let's walk in spirit, because if we walk in the spirit, you'll be able to identify those things that are pulling us away, those things that are going to corrupt us from what God has called us to do. And yes, you might have your life together, you might be a Christian, and you might be doing all those things, but guess what? There are people out there who need to hear Christ. They want to know about Christ. But you know what? The devil is going to try to destroy that, so then that way you have no time to go into that. And we have to start identifying this. It's not, hey, guess how's your day? My day is terrible. Oh, why? Because ABCD happened to me. It's like, take a minute and think and wonder, why is my day terrible? What's going on in my day? What is causing this? Yes, there's nothing wrong I did. I woke up, I did everything that I usually do. But at the end of the day, what happened? And that's the moment you sit down and you realize that this is a spiritual war. And you take a moment to pray. You take a moment to speak to God. You take a pause and you stop trying to do it your own. Because I know that's what I do sometimes. I go and I keep going and I'm going and I'm going. And I'm like, this is way too hard that I'm supposed to do. And then I take a moment and I'm like, wait a minute. The last time I talked to God was six hours ago. See, I see people flirting with sin in various cases. And I get so worried because sin does not need an invitation at all. Sin does not need an invitation. It doesn't matter what you're doing. But I see people going to places they are not supposed to. I see people talking to people they are not supposed to. I see people who are doing things that they are not supposed to. I see people who are thinking that they got it. But if sin has all this time to plot on how Paul is going to be killed and they're taking this journey and they're doing all these things, why would we even try to give sin a little hand in what sin is doing? All right? And when I'm talking about sin, I'm talking about the devil. Why, why are you giving the devil a chance to do that? 
Why are you reading what you're reading? Why are you watching what you're watching? Why are you go? Why on? Why are you on Facebook if you know that is giving the devil the string that he's not supposed to have? Right? And you, like I said, there is so much that he's already plotting against you. Why are you helping him? You know, it's interesting because I was thinking about this as I um, as a um, as I prepare this message, and my wife Eva and I, we were folding clothes the other day, and um, I had already had a bad, like not a bad week, but I had a, t- a tough week. And so we are doing laundry, and we, we, she's, we are folding clothes, and then I grabbed the clothes, and I was going to go take them um, to, the, uh, to the closet. And f- just immediately when I'm about to turn, she's, she's facing the bed, she's folding the clothes, I'm about to pass behind her. And just like immediately like when I was about close to her, she put her legs back like this, which was not intentional, by the way. She was trying to move something, right? <laughs> and I was like, ah, let me tell I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> That's all your lie. <laughs> but for that moment right there, I was like, what the world? And immediately, God is so gracious. He was like, she is not trying to trip you. It was just, <laughs> she, she is really not trying to trip you, right? But think about it. The devil knows he's been beating me throughout the whole week. He knows things have been so tough and all that stuff. And then a moment comes in when now he's like, let me throw something in and watch. And we talk about this. We say, sometimes I feel like the devil puts us in a big, big stadium, sits there and eats popcorns while he throws a little bit and you guys are fighting over popcorn. Yes. Right? Yes. And at that moment, I, I, I told her, I'm like, honey, really? And she laughed too because we laughed about it. But I was like... That's how fight starts. That's, my, that's how fight starts. The next minute I'm like, how dare you? Do you know what I don't know? And then the next minute it's a big, big thing. Right? But see, that's what I'm trying to remind you today. That the devil is working to destroy you. The devil is going to find an easy way to do what he needs to do. We have to guard ourselves. We are called to stay alert and at all times to keep our armor and not to give up or give in. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wills of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality, against power, against rulers of darkness, against of darkness of age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heaven places. Therefore, take up the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil days and having done all to stand. So it says when you face these things, nobody is immune. You're going to face stuff. As you live here, you're going to face stuff. As you go, you're going to face stuff. But the thing is, you have to identify that it's not you. Well, you have to figure out whether it's you or not. But you have to identify and realize that if you don't keep your guard up, you are pretty much letting the devil do whatever he needs to do. If you don't wake up in the morning and put on your armor, which is you read your Bible, you pray, then you're you're walking around with somebody who's not guarded. And guess what? You are a good target. The devil is not going to give you a day off and say, oh, you know what? Today, I saw you forgot your armor. Guess what? I'll catch you tomorrow, man. He's not going to do that. He's going to take that opportunity to bring you down completely. Down in a way that you'll not be able to wake up. Because the minute you wake up and you're a child of God, then that's a whole new case. My second point is this. Sin will keep you imprisoned. 
The thought of imprisonment is not just for Paul being held captive, which is already bad for an innocent man. It's the annoying nature of getting you to focus on things that steal your time and energy. Think about it. Paul is preaching and God has ordained him to walk into that, to that moment. But then, as he's talking to the people, then the following day, he has to go and start defending himself over again. If the devil is not going to destroy you, he's going to try to take your time, he's going to try to take your energy. And that's what you see here. It doesn't matter what Paul does, the devil continues to push him because the minute that he's in court, doing the things that he's you know, trying to defend himself, he's not ministering to anybody. I wonder if in your life, we have times like that, when the devil gets you so busy with the things that you're doing that you have no time to do the things that God has called you. Amen. Right? See, if I can keep focusing on the things of now and the things that pleases me, the things that annoy me, the things that, that, that drives me crazy, the things that are not my show, my coffee, my, my this, my this, then we're going to lose the focus of what God is calling us. Yeah. You know, we are in the age of selfies where we always think about ourselves all the time. And when it becomes about my, 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 when is God ever going to lead you to where you need to be led. When, when are you going to be able to go to where God has called you? When are you going to be able to overcome the things that, that God is asking you to overcome? Because this life is not our own. Otherwise, if the minute you got saved, for those who are saved, you'd have been whisked to heaven. We've been given this life because there's a plan and a purpose for you to go and advance the kingdom of God. You've been called to be a disciple. And so if we focus on ourselves all the time and we don't disciple, then who's going to reach those people? What if somebody had not reached you? You can't wait to get home to watch TV, the shows that you like. You get annoyed because things come between you, your program. You can't concentrate on your work because you're waiting to go to fill in the gap. The enemy will find a ways to waste your time. As a Christian, we've been called to do an audit of our activity and investments. And that's a weekly or a daily task. Look at the things. When, when you do your, for those who do your budget, you do your budget every month. You look at what's going on. Do we do a budget of our spiritual life? Do we look at the activities that we are doing? Do we look at those daily? That, you, know, you look and it's like, I only have this much. I need to fill in my tank because I haven't been doing this. Do we, do we just draw into ourselves and we have a stack of what God has done for us and, and there's no more room that we can't even pour it out? We need to do an inventory of ourselves every day. Where are you wasting your time? What's the driving force behind what you do? Is it causing you to be used by God or to be useless in his kingdom? Sin will have you hanging on, will have you thinking of things that don't even have any relevance, like revenge. Right? Plotting to get back, you know, for two years. The only thing that they thought about was how they could kill Paul. There was nothing else. And that's the interesting part. Like, you are, they are so caught up with killing him, with the revenge of what that's going to look like, because of, you know, what he made them look, that they can't think beyond that. They can't even come up with a new plan. And that's what happened to us. We look at somebody who's done something wrong and now instead of us forgiving, realize that we've already been forgiven and God has already done so much in our life, we continue holding on to so much that you can't even think anything beyond that. 
Exodus 20.19 says, They say to Moses, You speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. This, this one, when the Israelites, what Moses told them that they need to be ready so God can come and talk to them. But then they were like, oh my goodness, we are sinners, we cannot do this. Yet God who searches their hearts and knew their motives and knew everything was willing to come and talk to them. But sin was holding them in prisoner, was holding them prisoner. I wonder if there's somebody today here who is like, I cannot come before God. I cannot, God cannot hear me because of A, B, C, D. Guess what? Seeming like the Israelites, he already knew. It wasn't like he saw them and he was coming down and decided, you know what, maybe I'll go talk to them. He already knew their hearts. He already knew what was going on in their life. He already knew what they were going to do. But he still chose to come down and speak to them. But then because sin holds you up as a prisoner, it imprisons you, they would not come and speak to God. Our biggest battle is in our minds. And we have to train ourselves to fight and fight and fight. The Bible says in Second Corinthians 10.15, we demolish arguments of every pretense to, that it, the set itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. You know, I don't know who I was talking to, and I was talking about like, the Bible says we hold captive the thoughts that come in us. And you think about it for those who, 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 who trap animals. If you had to hold something captive, you have to put it in a cage. And then that way, when it's in a cage, can it go out after that? No. So the same thing, we need to hold those things in our heart. And in, in, we need to hold them captive. And then we pray over them and we come against them. But what happens is we do something and then we dismiss it. And guess what? If you dismiss it, it's going to come back. And that means that when you are going through something, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Don't think because I, oh, I'm, I'm not supposed to think that way. I'm not supposed to do that. Take it. Hold it captive. Bring it to God. Yeah. And bring it to submission. Because the minute you dismiss it and think it's not possible, it's going to come right back like we've seen. Sin comes in, it doesn't matter how long, but it will still come in the same way. My last point is this. Appeal to Caesar. How do we make sure that we don't fall into sin? And the answer is simple. Live a blameless life. Acts 25, 10, 19 says, So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you will very, know, very well know. For, I am not, I am, I am an, for if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving death, I do not object to dying. But if there is anything in these things of which men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Examine your motive. Why are you doing the things you're doing? And whom are you doing these things to? The Bible says in uh, uh, Psalms 139, 23, 24, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thought, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me into the everlasting place, the everlasting, way everlasting. And you look at Paul, he's saying, I have not done anything. I am blameless before God. So it doesn't matter what accusation comes my way. He's living a blameless life. Paul knew that, he, that if he was delivered to the, Jew, he, to the Jews, he would die unjust, unjust death. So he said, no one can deliver me to them. Do you have the same confidence 
that no one can separate you from the love of God and protection of Christ because you've lived a blameless life? Are you, and I know that this world is sinful and years we fall sin and there's nobody who's holy and, and this, it's a process, but is your heart intention, Pastor Jay preach, preach about motives. What is your motive? Is your motive to live a blameless life? Is your motive to live a blameless life? The intentions, the things you do. Are you working hard as you work for things that you love and care and, and, and the people that you love and you go to the, to the distance to please them? Are you doing the same thing when it comes to the things of God? Are you really trying as hard as you do other things? If we graded you on how, if we were graded, myself included, if we were graded on how we work at our jobs and do all those things, and then we looked at how much you are trying to live blameless, what would that score look like? See, we have to know that God wants to protect us. God wants to fight for us. But we have to have an intention of wanting to know him. Wanting to come close to him. Living a blameless life. That every day we are being transformed to be like Christ. Every day we are taking a step closer to be like God. Deuteronomy 3.22 says, You must not fear them, for the Lord your God himself fights for you. Deuteronomy 24 says, For the Lord your God is who goes with you to fight for you, to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and good, of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. See, the promises are there. Psalms 44.5 says, Through you, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we will trample those who rise against us. See, you already have somebody who's praying for you. God is is fighting for you. Right? God is fighting for you. But your intentions have to be for somebody who's really fighting for you. Your love has to be for somebody who's fighting for you. Tonight I'm asking you to stop seeing yourself the one who's being chased by the Terminator. Because that's what happened. The Terminator over and over and over. His chop head, shot, all these things happen. But he still rises up, right? And so I feel like sometimes in our life, that's what we do. We are just running away from sin. We are doing all this stuff. But when I look at the Bible, the Bible is saying, God has no weapon formed against me, shall prevail for those who are called for his purpose. So we need to change our mentality from that that's running away to knowing that I cannot be destroyed by the enemy because God has me. He says, no weapon formed against me shall prevail. That means it doesn't matter what weapon comes my way as long as I'm in Christ. No weapon formed against me shall prevail. And so now instead of running and feeling that you're always running away from the next sin, you're always running away from the next sin, you stand up and you, you say, no more. Amen. No more. I have God who fights for me. But it has to start with the love of Christ. It has to start with having a bl- wanting to live a blameless life. No weapon formed that you shall prosper. The enemy will try to destroy you. But you keep coming back. Because Christ is with you. This is not your battle. It's Christ's battle. James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will free from you. All right. Let's stand up, Rene. <laughs> Let's stand up. Okay.
as we close today, I want you to take a moment and, and just think about your life. Think about the things that you do and why you do them. Think about the things you do and you, who you do them for or to. Because the intentions of our heart matters a lot. It's not a coincidence that Pastor Jay preached last, last, last Wednesday about your motives. And today we are talking about the intent of your heart. Because it's so easy for us as Christians to, to walk around and, and, and look Christianish. It's so easy for us to come here at church and high-five each other and, and hug each other and tell each other that we love each other. Yet there's so much that's going in that we've allowed the enemy to lie to us. There's so much in in our families, in our, in our workplaces, out there, that we are trying to do it on our own. Yet God is saying that, I have overcome for you. I have overcome for you. It just takes a minute to think and pray to God and tell Him, Lord, help me to live a blameless life. Help me to live a blameless life. And God, maybe you're saying, Lord, I do not know what a blameless life is, but God knows your heart. Same thing that when He was calling the Israelites so He can come talk to them, and they were afraid, He already knew their hearts. He already knew what they had done. He already knew the motives of their heart. Yet guess what? He still did it. He still wanted to come and meet him. And tonight God wants to meet you. He's saying you are not far gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. I already know your intentions. I already know what your heart looks like. I already know your motives. But if you allow me today to wash that clean, I can renew you. I can renew your heart. I can change your heart. You can stop running and you can stop knowing that I got you. That the battle doesn't belong to you, whatever that looks like. That the battle belongs to Christ. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, you haven't given your life to Christ, no better time than today. Because these promises that I'm telling you, these fights, are for people who, want, who are children of God. And if you haven't given your life to Christ, you're not a child of God. So I invite you up here so we can pray for you. If that's you. Submit your heart to Christ and ask Him, Lord, be my lead. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of feeling that I have to fight all the time. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise you tonight, God. We thank you for your word, God, because, Lord, I know, Father, that Jehovah God, you spoke to the heart of your people, Lord. Lord Jehovah God, it's hard sometimes for us to, to really take an inventory of where we are, God, because we are so scared of seeing what we've become or what's in us, oh God. But I pray, Father, for reassurance today in the precious name of Jesus, God. In our heart that, Lord, you're saying, yes, I'm here. It doesn't matter. It does not matter where you are or what you're doing. That you are a child of God who's created for a purpose and a plan, oh God. I pray, Jehovah God, that you may shine a light in our lives, oh God, so we can look at the things that we do, Lord. Those things are still our joy. Those things, Jehovah God, that, that try to deter us, O King of Glory, from reaching out to you, God, from doing the things that you've called us, O King of Glory, God. I pray, mighty King of Glory, Jehovah God, that you may shine a light, oh God, and bring that to revelation, oh God, because when we know, Lord, we can start working on those things together, God. 
Lord, I pray for your people tonight, O King of Glory, myself included, God. I pray, Jehovah God, that you may hold our hands, O God, and, and walk us and show us, Father, the path, God, that leads to, to a blameless life, O God. I pray, Jehovah God, that we may live in a way that pleases you, God. We praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Have a good day.